Hey everyone, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and I'm back with another Faith Tested by Fire podcast. So the other day I had a conversation with somebody and it was one of those conversations where you drop everything that you're doing and you put you give that person 100% of your attention and you go back and forth and you talk about uh, a problem or a challenge or, or something to that nature. And at the end of the conversation, you realize that that was a special time of communication, that that time you invested definitely was not time wasted and both of you are better off for having that particular experience. And it made me realize how often I go through my day and people are talking to me and I'm half listening to them, half focusing on what I'm doing and not giving them my undivided attention. And you can go through your entire life that way where you're never really in the moment. Your mind or your your thoughts are someplace else partially, and you're partially taking place in in the event or partially taking place in the conversation. I noticed it first years ago when I would be at the dinner table and people would talk, and but I really wouldn't be at the dinner table. I would just be rushing to finish eating and then I'd want to move on to something that was more interesting. Or in bigger family gatherings, sometimes I noticed that Everybody was more interested in watching what was on the television as a group, especially after Thanksgiving and holidays like that. Um, Not so much maybe at Christmas time. On Christmas Eve, we had a big family gatherings uh, back then, and and uh, there was a lot. The interaction was on a different level. I guess that's about the only way uh, that I could put it, but... Just this last week, I had a conversation with somebody, and I was fully immersed in it. And I realized that it was important to the other person that something was bothering them. And if I didn't take the time to listen to them, nobody would because I was the only person around. And did I have other things to do? Absolutely. But I decided that I would put those things to the side and really hear this person out and give the best advice that I could give. And I didn't feel as though I had to have the answer for everything. You know, the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, we know in part. And and then again in the 12th verse, same chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, it says we see through a glass darkly. And so the Bible wasn't given to us, the scriptures, to so that we could just know about God. The word that was given, the word that came forth, it was written, the Bible says, the scriptures are written that we might have hope, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So our faith is in God, and our relationship is with God. So you can know a lot of facts about someone, but you still don't know that person. And it's a shame that you could be living in close proximity to somebody, friends, family, or whatever, Maybe they're under your own roof. And you get to the point where you know more about them, but you really don't know them anymore the way that you could. Excuse me. I hope that makes somewhat sense. 
Because when you really connect with people in a way that's meaningful, instead of just waiting for them to get done talking so you can talk, it's amazing how that changes everything. Because everything in life is about our relationships to one another and, and again, our relationship with God. And so I said all this because I realized that sometimes when you're in a test or a trial or there's something happening in your life, when you read the Bible, you can be looking for um, maybe stories that are similar to yours to give you encouragement, or you see how God delivered somebody else, or you talk to other people about your situation, maybe to get some wisdom and insight that you don't seem to be getting on your own. But all of this is just information, right? I mean, you're reading it, you're hearing it from others, maybe you're getting it from books. But the real difference that Jesus came to bring to us that wasn't available until he came was the ability to have a relationship with God the Father again. I mean, we connect with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, in the Holy Spirit. And so those three are one, and it says that we're also one with them. The Bible says that Jesus is the head of the body, and the body is his church, and it likens him and us to being a physical body with all of the parts interconnected to one another. And so, for example, when Paul, before he became Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. When Jesus appeared to him and that white light shone and knocked him down from his horse, Jesus said, you know, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, that was after the cross, after Jesus had risen from the dead. But Paul had persecuted the church and he had people put to death. But Jesus responded as though it was happening to him personally because it was. In other words, if, if you're a believer and you're part of the, the body of Christ, and, and again, this, this is a hard thing sometimes to get across because some people are so used to thinking of things physically or naturally. But there's a spiritual side to everything there's like an under everything is is connected to that world to that eternal world where god is we're only here for a brief period of time and this world as it is is just temporary but there's an internal world that is kind of like a mirror to this world when the bible talks about the heavenly uh world it talks about um a tree of life being there it talks about uh, rivers and mountains. I'm not going to go into the scriptures and get off track, but you look at the descriptions of the heavenly world um, and how the sons of God came to present themselves before God. And you, you have a picture that this world is just an image of what's on the other side because it's the same creator. In other words, the same being that made everything we see around us also made the heavenly world. So, Naturally, the designs are going to look similar, but we're living in a fallen version, so to speak. So this world is corrupted, but God's world, the heavenly, the heaven of heavens, isn't corrupted. So everything there is perfect. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, um, when Saul was attacking the church, the body, it was as though he were attacking Jesus and he felt it. So we can't put it into any better words than that, but Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? 
So if something happens to you as part of the body, it's happening to Jesus, right? So if you drop something on your toe because it's part of your body, it affects your whole body. If you do something and hurt your hand, then the rest of your body responds to it. So likewise, we're all members, and even if something happens to the least of the members of a body, it affects all the other members. So we only have a natural body that we could use to illustrate this, but there's a spiritual truth that's just as real behind it. So when you're wondering, when you're going through persecution, when enemies are coming against you, both in the natural and in, that, in the spiritual dimension, when you're under attack, it's as though Jesus is under attack and he's interceding for you because nothing can touch you without it touching him. Does that make any sense? Now, I'm not saying that if you drop a weight on your toe that Jesus says, ouch, in heaven. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the Bible says that <clears throat> we have a high priest who totally identifies with us and the feelings of our infirmity. But he was tested in every way but he was without sin, right? So we can't say that part. Maybe we haven't been tested in every way either. Of course, we haven't. But we don't think about that when it's happening to us. We just feel the pain of the situation. So now I want, I want to switch gears just a little bit because this is one of the main points that I really wanted to hit on, and that's this. It's that you can have faith in your head and have doubt in your heart. Now, years ago, I heard the opposite. I heard somebody say that you can have faith in your heart and still have doubt in your head, meaning that um, negative thoughts come and you can control sometimes the thoughts that enter your mind. I mean, sometimes it's not as easy as just turning a channel using a remote control to think of something different. It's not the same because there's a deeper connection that those thoughts have. And, and sometimes especially the negative ones. And so we have to sometimes change our situation or, or change our surroundings or get up and go someplace else in order to, to think differently. So you can imagine that I remember a friend of mine years ago, he became a believer, but before that time he had a lot of trouble with alcohol and even some into the time I, when he was a, a new believer. And he said that when he would drive by the liquor store and see it there he had all these memories of going in and what he was going to buy and then what he did when he got home and what he was drinking and how that affected the rest of his night but it all started with the store and so he had to make plans to take a different way home so he didn't go by the store but sometimes he did go to the store sometimes the thoughts overwhelmed him so everybody can identify with with this in one way shape or form because we all know what it's like to fall short, right? So when you learn about faith and you learn about God and you read the Bible, we live in a, in a society that places a lot of emphasis on knowledge of facts, knowledge of information, maybe even being able to argue um, a point effectively. So the, the Bible says that, you know, to be ready to answer other people as to the hope that you have in you. So you can always give your testimony. If somebody asks you what you believe, if they try to argue about why you believe it, I mean, it's really, um, you can't argue. In other words, you can't use 
just facts and expect somebody to believe because it's it's a spiritual thing in other words god has to open somebody's heart people harden their hearts and it won't matter how many facts or figures that you bring forward um, to prove that what they're believing makes no sense it won't make any difference unless god opens their heart and so it comes back to the heart because we don't connect with god from the head it's not a matter of just having knowledge it's a matter of having your heart open and believing in that place the Bible calls the heart. The word heart in the Bible is synonymous with the inner man or the spirit. And so we can relate to these in a general way, even though we don't know, quote unquote, the science behind it. So, for example, you know what it's like to have your heart in something and you know what it's like to do something and your heart's not in it. You know what it's like to be in the moment and you know what it's like to have your heart troubled and be elsewhere, where everybody around you is participating in the moment, having a good time, but even though you're there physically, you're not there in your heart. Your heart is someplace else. And so the Bible warns in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Let me actually turn there. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Okay, so the issues of life flow from the heart. Other translations say guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So you can see then that the heart has a, a, is a major component in not only when somebody goes from doubt to faith or from unbelief to belief, but in everything else relative to life. So, for example, you could see Matthew chapter 13 is a good example of this. Verse number 15. And I usually don't talk about these things that much. But being that my experience has been in this area, that's lately, this past week, I wanted to share this with you. Matthew 13, verse 15, it says, this is the King James Version, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes... They have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. So you can see here, this is Jesus talking. He was saying, understand with their heart. So, so the people's heart, the very, first, the very first words that he said in this verse is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have closed. In other words, they have shut down to what God is trying to say to them. They've just turned it off. I'm sure you come across people like this all the time where maybe you're opening your mouth and you're trying to give them some words that you heard from God. You read, you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit brings back the truth to your remembrance and you try to share it with somebody and you see them shut down. So they decide to close their eyes, close their ears, and shut their heart down because they don't want to hear what you had to say. Now maybe you've been there on the other side and you think about times where you've already made up your mind before listening to what the person's saying. You've closed your heart to what they had to say. So the heart and the mind are two different things. The mind is just one part of the being, but the heart is the other part. It's the most important part. 
go, let's go on a little bit further. If you look at Mark chapter 12, verse number 30, there it says, you shall love the Lord thy God, this is Jesus talking again, with all thine heart. So the first thing he says is your heart, your innermost you, the real you, the part that when you're present in the conversation, when you're really listening, when all of you is focused, the deeper, that core part of your being, that's the heart. And with all thy soul. So he, he labels the heart and the soul as being two different things here. Or else he would have just said, with the heart. And with all thy mind. And with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So, three things. You shall love the Lord thy God with... Number one, your heart. Number two, your soul. And number three, your mind. So most people educate the mind and they leave out the heart and the soul. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. Do I, can I, I'm just like you. I, I know in part and I see through the glass darkly. It's hard to identify all three parts and figure out which part actually does what. But I look at them like somebody put it this way, uh, the Olympic rings, how they cross over into one another. And so they're separate, but they're part of the whole. Or you could look at it this way. When you make a recipe and you put in certain ingredients, and if you took one of those ingredients out, you wouldn't have the pie. Right? I'm not a cook, so I'm talking in generalities. But you have different ingredients that make up the pie, and they're all necessary ingredients. But here you could see the most important ingredient was probably the one that he mentioned first was with all thy heart. Right? Because this is the first commandment. So if this is the most important commandment and he said you shall love the Lord thy God with all and then he's going to mention three things you would think he would you would mention the most important thing first in order of importance and then the next important thing, and then the next important thing. So all of these are important, but notice that he used the word heart first. And Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. So it's the same thing as if God the Father were there, and he said, you shall love me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And so in part, we understand what it means, the heart, and we understand what it means, the mind. But I found from experience that you can have faith in your head and doubt in your heart. Or you can have faith in your head and worry in your heart. And that's the thing that keeps us sometimes in tests, trials, and tribulation longer than God wants us to be there. See, here's the thing. Nobody wants to admit that we know in part. We like to think we know in full or just about in full. No one likes to say that they see through the glass darkly. We like to think that we see clearer than the person next to us. Maybe that's why the Bible says that knowledge puffs up sometimes, right? Knowledge isn't a bad thing, but in, in a context, love, um, love is, is really the foundation of our experience, not knowledge. And God is love. And so we, when we think about love, we think about the heart before we think about the mind. And so lately I've been looking at how I've operated in some of the tests and the trials that I faced recently. 
and how I've responded to other people's tests and trials when I've prayed for them. And I can see the difference when I have faith in my head versus when I have faith in my heart. Because I understand 2 plus 2 equals 4. And when you read a scripture verse in the Bible, the Bible says, In all things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. It doesn't say most things or certain things. It says all things. Right? The Bible says, Is there any sick among you? Not are people with, who God wants to heal sick among you. The Bible says, Is any sick among you? Let him call on the elders of the church. And let them pray for him, anointing him with oil. The prayer of faith shall save, not might save, but shall save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. So either that's not true, or we've misunderstood what faith is. <clears throat> Excuse me, or, or sometimes we touch on it and sometimes we miss it. Because I, what I see around me and what I see in other people's experiences and in, inconsistent results and I've noticed that even in my own life. But I can't judge somebody else because I don't know what's in their heart. But I can judge myself. And sometimes that's not easy to do because it's easy to rationalize things. So I've come to the conclusion that, you know, the Bible's true. I know in part and I see through a glass darkly. But because I can have a relationship with God that's from the heart, it's not important that I know in full and that I see through the glass clearly because that's what faith is there for. Faith makes up for the issue that I have in not being able to know in full. Because I can pray and trust God with all my heart, it doesn't matter if I understand in part anymore, and it doesn't matter if I see through the glass darkly. <clears throat> but I know in the past what I've done sometimes is I've listened to the wrong voice and created an understanding that was based on sight, not on faith. For example, something's going wrong, the situation doesn't change, and your mind tells you, well, God must be wanting to teach me something. And then the situation persists and it starts getting a little annoying. It's like being in first grade while all your friends move on to second, third, fourth, fifth. They graduate from... <clears throat> what do you call it, intermediate school and go on to high school and they graduate from high school and go on to college. And then one day you bump into them and they find out, well, you know, you're still in first grade. How come you never moved up? And you say, I don't know. I guess God's just trying to teach me something. And then you, you develop a belief system around that. And see, none of that's in the Bible. A lot of the things that people believe just aren't in the Bible. If you're going to use the Bible as your evidence... Like the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the, let the truth be established. If you have to find at least two scriptures to prove your belief, you'll find that some of your beliefs can't be proven by the Bible. Are you following what I'm saying? And so that, that belief system that, well, times are tough because God wants them to be tough, you just can't find that in there. The Bible says, every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variance, neither shadow of turning. But according to what some people say, there is variance. Because sometimes God does it this way for some people, and he doesn't do it that way for others. Right? But while certain things may have been true under the old covenant, we're under a new covenant established upon better promises. 
We're not in a performance-based covenant anymore. We're in a grace-based covenant, and where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. What is grace? It's what you're saved by. We're saved by grace, unearned favor, through faith, that not of yourselves. Nothing's of ourselves, neither the grace nor the faith. But the thing is, when you get this information, you can be operating with faith in your head, what you believe to be faith, but it's not in your heart because your heart is troubled by the situation. If I bring up a situation and you're troubled by it on the inside, you know that your heart is not established yet in faith or in the truth because once your heart is established, you're not swayed anymore. The Bible says that uh, Abraham grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Being fully persuaded isn't something that all of us have relative to our problems and our prayers sometimes. You're partially persuaded or you're on your way to being fully persuaded, but you're not there yet. You're either persuaded or you're not persuaded. And fully persuaded just is something that Sometimes you have to fight to get there. That's why the Bible says fight the good fight of faith. But people make the mistake in thinking fight means just add more knowledge. What you're lacking is enough knowledge. You have to figure things out. You have to figure your faith out. You have to figure this prayer thing out. Where all God is requesting you to do is to open your heart. Open your heart and God will fill it. Close your heart or harden your heart and it doesn't matter. Allow your heart to be filled with wrong teachings or wrong beliefs. And again, you put yourself in a, in a situation where you're not receiving. Now, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me just put that out there. And sometimes you can get frustrated with yourself because you feel like you're just not getting it. I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're just not getting it, instead of buying another book, instead of listening to another message, instead of doing all those external things, Begin to open up your heart and go to God and pray and let your relationship with him as an individual begin to grow in ways that it hasn't grown in the past. Begin to seek God for yourself. Honesty is the one thing that I find is the, is the turning point in every situation that you may face in this lifetime. In other words, God already knows what's in your heart. So sometimes you just have to be brutally honest with him about where you stand relative to a certain situation and let those frustrations out. Even if you're mad at God, let him out because that's the only way healing comes. It comes through honesty. It doesn't come through dotting every I and crossing every T. It doesn't come through more knowledge because if you think about all that you've learned since you've been a believer, and all the knowledge that you have, practically, how has it benefited you? I mean, in a real sense, how has it benefited you? Do you have more peace in your life, really? Uh, do you see the results and the fruit of prayer? I'm not saying this to put you under condemnation. I'm saying this so that you can realize whether or not you need to adjust some things. Because I know I always do. I always have to look at my heart, and I can see right away when I'm honest with myself, it's much easier to be honest with God. And let me, let, let me show you this one more. Two more scripture verses. Acts 16, 12. This says it. These two scriptures say it better than I can. Acts 16, 12. 
1614. Just a few verses down. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple. Now, if you want to know the story before and after this, read the whole chapter. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of. Paul. So, let me read this. Oops. Just lost my place. Okay, Acts 16, 14. Lydia, okay, she worshiped God, she heard them preach, and it says, whose heart the Lord opened. When God opens your heart, it's easy to believe. But you have to put yourself in a position where he can do that. Sometimes you think just because you believe once, you open your heart that you never have to do it again. We close our heart all the time. Sometimes, you know, we just decide we're going to hear what we want to hear. We're going to approach a situation a certain way. And our head takes over at the expense of, of the heart. And this whole new life, being a new creation in Christ, is designed for you to lead with the heart, not with the head. So her heart was opened by the Lord. That's good news. When God opens your heart, it doesn't make any difference whether you have a little knowledge or a lot of knowledge. Faith will come. Think about this. Every person that Jesus healed was healed outside of the new covenant. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. They were under the old covenant. They were under the law. And all those people received. We have a new covenant established upon better promises. So whether it's healing or deliverance or guidance, all these things are open to us. And he's the head and we're part of the body. And just as the same blood that goes through your big toe also goes through your head, you just know that the, the life of God, the voice of God, the message of God, the direction of God, you don't have to strain to get these things. All you have to do is believe by opening your heart. And it'll happen. Sometimes I think certain thoughts were my thoughts, but they were really God's thoughts. And when I acted on them, naturally good things happened. Other times I tried to make it happen. I tried to intellectualize the whole process. I tried to understand it in full. I tried to see through the glass clearly. And I wound up getting myself in more confusion, more frustration, and more problems. The Bible says in 1 John 3.21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Right? So when you close your heart to God, that, that feeling of condemnation comes. When you keep your heart open, you don't get off track that far. And I'm just saying it happens. It happens to the best, the best of us. Right? Okay. That's really all I have for you today. I just encourage you to begin to open up your heart to God. Last night, I opened up my heart to God as I was going to sleep. And I walked through my whole day. And I thought of all of the things that my life touched that day. And I was thankful for each and every one of them. I gave thanks for all of them. From the desk that I'm sitting at now, that I have the computer that I do, and the sound system that I do to be able to talk to you, to the nice AC system I remember my uncle telling me he, he was a veteran of the Second World War. I remember him telling me once about he was stationed in Miami and how they used to have to wash the walls down with water and bleach. This was the days before air conditioning. I mean, everything got muggy and wet and smelled not so nice in the summertime. And these are some of the things, I mean, we take for granted. 
AC and cars. I mean, just go through your day and be thankful. Open up your heart to God and learn to live from the inside out. What a difference it makes. And how much easier is it? Is it? And it will be for you to walk out of your troubles and walk into the, the promises and the blessings that God has for you. You know, tests and trials are a part of life, but they're not all life. Life shouldn't revolve around you going from one problem to the next. But we overcome many tribulations to the glory of God. We overcome many obstacles to the glory of God. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith lives in the heart. Open it up and be filled with it today. So thanks for listening. Again, feel free to visit the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com. This is Jim. God bless you. Have a great day. And I'll talk to you again soon.